My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Professor Olga Rockenstein stood before the Psychology of Female Sexuality College course, staring at us with bulldog intense eyes. Women know too little about their bodies, she said. Do you know how many don't even know where their clitoris is? As her gaze caught mine, my face read, You're kidding me! What I really thought? My what? The words sounded familiar, but I was 20 and too much time had passed since high school health class. When she called it the, quote, pleasure button, I assumed it was the area inside the vagina that lights up and explodes, triggering uncontrollable delight and making the entire world disappear during orgasm. (sighs) No. When I learned its actual location, between the inner folds of the vulva, at the top of the labia, which are also parts I didn't quite know where they were, I wondered if mine was broken. When I or my boyfriend at the time touched mine, I felt ticklish. Like, really, really ticklish, as in it nearly hurt. If you can relate to this, I suggest not Googling the term sensitive clitoris, unless you want nightmares and psychosomatic symptoms of a clitoris clobbering disease. There's some scary stuff out there. Chances are, there is nothing wrong with you. If you suspect an illness, obviously you need to talk to your doctor, but in most cases, first of all, all clitorises are very sensitive. And as lovely as flowers that are named after them, which are called clitoria and kind of look like clitorises, uh, Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I am your host, August McLaughlin, and I am so excited to be talking about clitoral love and sensitivity with you all today. I have a very special guest with me today. I'm going to introduce her in a moment to help with our discussion. But first, I want to share some fabulous facts about clitoral sensitivity. First, a highly sensitive clitoris is usually just that. It's an organ so sensitive that mild touch can cause sensation overload. Now, again, everyone's uh, clitoris is sensitive, but if yours is extra sensitive, it gets to be kind of extreme. Uh, Clitoral sensitivity is more common among people with increased overall sensitivity. So if you're really sensitive emotionally and physically, chances are there's a better chance that you'll have a very sensitive clitoris. And from what I've gathered, uh, clitoral sensitivity is also more common in women who are incredibly keen on G-spot orgasms. Now, who isn't, right? But what I mean is they tend to prefer them. Uh, I fall into that category. So for the longest time, I only had G-spot orgasms. I almost avoided anything with a clitoris. So some of you are understanding completely what I'm talking about right now. Uh, you know how penises get incredibly sensitive after ejaculation? Well, the clitoris is comparable to the head of the penis, only it's smaller and has many, many, many more nerve endings, about seven to 8,000. So if you can imagine, it's at least double, if not more, what guys feel. If your clitoris has typical sensitivity, touching, kissing, licking, sucking, probably all feels really, really good, and to make way for climax. In fact, clitoral orgasm is the most common and easiest to achieve for most women. If yours is highly sensitive, you probably prefer gentler touching or maybe just pressure. I really like that. It's just pressure without any movement at all on or around your clitoris. 
The vaginal, also called G-spot orgasms, are likely to be your number one. And in blended orgasms, we come in both places. Those are awesome. It's important to note that one type of orgasm is not better or superior or ideal than others. Our sexuality is unique and we should all feel great about our personal style and preferences. There's also no right way to engage or enjoy our joy buttons. The key is knowing how our own works and communicating with our partners whenever we need to. So I would like to introduce now a very wonderful guest. I actually met Jean Franzlau on a panel with the fabulous Andy Lyons. She is amazing. Uh, she is the writer and performer and producer of the play Coming Out Kinky, A Grown-Up Story, which I can't wait to see. When she was a little girl, Jean believed that sex must be bad and made the impossible commitment to never be sexual. This show tracks her unusual path of exploration as she discovers that sex is a natural and wonderful part of the human experience. Woohoo! Jean Franzlau is also a corporate trainer, uh, corporate training professional. She's given presentations on topics such as customer service, communication, stress management in six countries for up to 300 people. So she really has her performance hat on. Uh, you can also connect with her all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And find out more about her fabulous work and her play at comingoutkinkytheplay.com. Welcome, Jean. Thank you for being here. So nice to meet you face-to-face -face and not electronically. Isn't it amazing? You know, I'm amazed at how much when I meet somebody who I've already interacted with online. Yeah. It's, it's like you know each other, right? Oh, yeah. I'm like, you're like, finally nice to meet you in person. I'm like, ah? Yeah. Ah. Oh, Did that. you forget? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing. Especially if you're really authentic and... You know, just being yourself. Yeah. So it's exciting. Uh, so you participated in a blog fest that I just had. Yes, my first blog fest ever. Thank you very Yay. much. I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad you had fun. I appreciate how you are connecting writers, connecting women, connecting human beings across the planet Aww. about sexuality and beauty. Well, thank you. It's it's been a really it's been an honor to have so many wonderful participants and we had a, many new people this year including you yes. and the girl boner edition was new yes and your uh, i i decided to choose two to feature on the show and i'm building a show around two separate uh installments to the to the festival mm -hmm. and i just loved yours i'm gonna have you read it in a little bit here um but uh I'd love to hear a little bit more about your decision mm -hmm. to change that commitment you made as a child mm -hmm. to never be sexual. Was there a specific turning point or was a gradual kind of, you, you know? know? When I was in my early 20s or late teens, I felt like I was separated by the neck. There was the neck up was my intellectual self and then everything else which was kind of dangerous and uncomfortable and I didn't understand. And I felt like, I actually said this once to, I think it was my sister, is do you ever feel like an accident waiting to happen? And what I meant by that is like I would be involved sexually and it would just be a desperate throwing myself at it because there was so much pent-up longing and I learned to think that that was kind of fun like ooh, it's so romantic to have pent-up longing over the course of months and months and months and then throw myself at somebody and it also got very tiring emotionally I made choices that were maybe dramatic at the time I at least appreciated the drama of it but not in connections that were soulful I didn't feel necessarily nurtured I wasn't being really discerning yeah. so. 
I can relate I, to that a bit. Right? Absolutely. It's, it's amazing how, you know, not only do many women not really understand their sexual anatomy, but kind of how to interact with others involving it. And, and I love that, uh, sort of, uh, from the neck down that, I mean, cause it's, it's your heart, it's your soul. It's also oh, interconnected. And, uh, I, I really, I really, um, empathize a lot. And so what, what then inspired you to change? Check this out. I mean, given that I'm right, I wrote a play and everything. It's maybe this is perfect. What changed me is I, I saw a portion of a TV show. The TV show was about an, a female attorney. It's like ridiculous. I have to use that adjective. It was about an attorney. She was a woman. I know, right? Maybe uh, people have seen this show because I can't even remember the title of it, but it was an attorney who lived with her mother. And, um, and in the narration of the TV show, pretty much the attorney said, and I need to figure something out about the sexual issue. Meaning, like, I need to figure out where to get me some, how to do so when I live with my mom. Like, just like, I had to figure something out. And it was the first time I realized that could be an issue that you could apply yourself to. Like... Figuring out how to get one's sexual needs met had never occurred to me as something that would be a project for me. Wow. And just by hearing that and like flipping channels, I was like, it changed me. Wow. I'm allowed to make that an issue for myself. I have sexual needs. That is amazing. That's it. I have sexual needs. I, I wish I wish girls were taught that because I don't think that most of them are. I wasn't. You know, I was I was taught a lot about, as you know, menstruation and, and what intercourse does. But I was not taught to be really afraid to get pregnant. Amen. Yeah, and not to sit on t- toilet seats, public toilet seats. <laughs> I I walked around with these horrible images in my head of like these goblins that would come up and give me STDs. I I really and Aww. oh my gosh, I you know nobody ever said to me, you know, your sexual needs. That yes. that is a phrase that so many you know yes. girls don't understand. Yes, and in my show, I get to talk about that we all have them and that it's a flame within us that we get to nourish and grow and gets to be with us, with us throughout our lifetime. What a beautiful analogy. Great start. Yes. yes. Amen. 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 And the prize is worth the rocky ride as, as the indigo girls say. <laughs> you know, it's true. The rewards come and, and your play is, is evidence of that. And around what age were you when you had that kind of epiphany? Uh, I would say that was in my 30s. So I'm 43 now, and my coming of age as a sexual woman has happened in my toward towards my the end of my 30s. And it began with a breakup. I was in a relationship for about four and a half years. It wasn't working on a variety of levels, but one of them was sexually. And I didn't realize that that could be such a high priority that I could break up over it. Now, it wasn't just that. But for me, saying, I'm going to say no to this so I can say yes to myself was profound. It was deeply painful. I had such a high value for how I thought I'd be impacting him by breaking up with him. Of course, I was setting him free to create his life. Sure. Who wants to be with somebody that doesn't want to be with them? Nobody wants that. But I was so caught up in my head that it would hurt. And of course, it did hurt at first that that um, I felt tremendous pain. And once I got through that, I realized, whoa, I must really like myself if I'm putting myself first. And that is when my adventure began. (laughs) I have chills. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Holy moly. Wow. Those epiphanies are huge. And really, I think we kind of have to break up to, to create ourselves sometimes. 
for real. Yeah. For real. And, and another breakup that has happened subsequently, which felt important and painful too, that guy met his beloved oh. within three months of the breakup. He's never thanked me. You're He's kidding never me. never thanked me. But I'm like, we should Dude. We should list the phone number right now and yes. have him call in. <laughs> don't, don't you realize that I set this relationship free and now he has the relationship of his life? That's amazing. Thank you, Gene. It's beautiful that you see value there, though, that, you, you know, there's no bitterness. It's just he's yeah. able to have this, you know, gift. And that's amazing. You never know what'll, what'll come. Yeah. And so the, you said the adventure began, was it, mm. did you, what, what was the first thing that you did that was, I know you call yourself kinky Jean, which Ooh. I love. This wasn't so kinky. It was just that I hadn't had, um, well, well, I should tell you my relationship with the man that I had been seeing for so long, I was trying to make it work sexually and my body was giving me a signal. And the signal is something I'd never even heard of. It's called vaginismus. Have you heard of this? I actually have because I'm writing an article that involves it, but I know a lot of people don't. Yes, the yeah. whole, basically, it was a burning, stinging sensation when having <gasps> intercourse, and it was caused by my body saying, I don't want this man in me. Your vagina was protecting my you. My vagina was protecting you, but I was like, oh, I want to get along. I want to make this work. What's wrong with you, vagina? I would go to <gasps> the gynecologist which is in my show. People like that scene very much because I had a, a, a gynecologist say, you have vaginismus here. All you need to do is just stretch yourself out a little bit. Oh, you know, he did not suggest maybe you're not in the right relationship. Maybe your body's telling you something. None of that. Instead, I went online to vaginismus.com and got a program to learn how to have meditation and, and affirmations and learning and graphing the vagina so I could learn to let that man in my body without pain. Wow. And so I did. And when I did, I was like, wow, I don't want this. Wow. But it took That's amazing. months and months of doing this whole program that wow. I had to come to my own conclusion that, okay, now I'm having pain-free sex that I don't want to be having. Isn't it amazing how it's compartmentalized like that? It's like, you know, and I, 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 we're holistic beings where, you know, our spirituality affects our sexuality, our sexuality affects yeah. our physical health, our, you know, everything's so connected. And it's one, it's a beautiful thing to have so many specialists out there, but they specialize so much that it's like, all he's talking to you about is how to stretch your vagina. And it's I like, uh, uh, yeah. So, so when the relationship was over, my first order of business was, do I have vaginismus for the rest of my life? Wow. I didn't know. There was somebody who was kind of in the background while when my relationship was beginning its end, uh, who I began seeing and became a lover. And lo and behold, vaginismus disappeared. Now, vaginismus <laughs> to me is going to be like this little guard in yeah. my head. I see this like superwoman who's like, you know, at the door telling you, that's amazing. And you learn to listen to your body. I and did. That's I a beautiful did. thing. Close attention now. And from that point, I didn't realize this, but I'd keep in it, been keeping in my mind a sexual bucket list. There was just a lot of things I was curious about, and that's when I started to let myself explore a little bit. Okay. Try that and find safe partners for exploration. I remember on our panel, which was about kinkiness, mm -hmm. and you were the, the featured guest, and I was one of the panelists, and I remember when we were defining what kinky means, you, you had this great answer. You, you talked about how you know, where your mind goes when you're daydreaming and fantasizing before yes. you orgasm. Yes. And you were like, uh, it's not so timid. It's not, oh, you know, MG. when I, I mean, when I'm playing with a partner, 
I often, I, I try to stay present and sometimes my mind gets very creative. And so I'll just be like, okay, when it's all done, I'm like, do you want to hear the story? I love that. And when I share it, you sometimes, I think my last partner was like, oh. <laughs> the sexology. You need to have a little installment each time. And I should, I should write a book of the things I think of, but it's going to be pretty dark or pretty interesting or unique. Sure. Depending on who's reading and listening to yeah. it, for sure. Yeah. So were you surprised to have this kinkiness in you when you went from, you know, being very closed off in that mm-hmm. way to empowered? How did you feel when you started having these kind of kinkier thoughts? Well, I... On one level, I was very surprised, like naively surprised, like, what is this desire within me? And when I started to write my show and track back, like, what was I reading as a horny teenager? It kind of made sense. Okay. It kind of made sense. So um, what one of the things that I'm into is role play dominant role play where I where in the scene we call it power exchange where sometimes I will play the role of somebody who is uh, without power as a submissive uh-huh. actor in the scene and sometimes I play the scene where I am more powerful more dominant and um, when I started playing in this energy it was huge energy wow. huge you let it out you let it loose there was a lot of there was a lot of energy that had nowhere to go and when it had its channel I became very riveted by it so I track back to when I was a teenager discovering different books and things and they're about power exchange so I was masturbating and climaxing to all kinds of fiction about this very subject so people say are you born kinky or whatever? I'm. I really think a lot of these things start when we're teenagers and we get wired in a certain way. Sure, absolutely, and our personalities definitely contribute. <laughs> You're an actress and a performer, you know, yeah, and it makes there's sense. A dramatic element to sure, it. and you know, sometimes they say that it's a part of your personality that it perhaps doesn't have a way to get out. Otherwise, that's not the case for you because you actually are very open well, and expressive. Actually, thank you for saying that. And actually, there's a part of my personality that I gave to my sister. My sister's extremely, she's an extremely powerful woman, unapologetically. And as a teenager, I observed that that power was creating problems with my parents. Like there was fighting in the household. So I was like, okay, that's too much. So I'm not going to be that. And all this power and authority I removed from myself and said, that's her. And also, that's bad. Wow. So when I discovered that there are play partners who want so desperately for me to bring out that inner authority and they're craving it, it taught me that it was okay. And then I realized, whoa, it's in me and it deserves to be reclaimed. And nurtured. That's beautiful. Yeah. So it's... Wow. Did you have this is the wrong word perhaps, but stage fright? Did you were you nervous at first? Um, there's some excitement, yeah, definitely. And to be like a really good dominant player, you kind of want to plan ahead and like here's where we're gonna do this, then we're gonna do that, then I'm gonna surprise them with this. You know, you want to ha- like have a little scene set up. So there's a certain amount of excitement and maybe even work to sure. being a proper dominant. Um, and yes, 
What I've noticed is that as I get to know somebody even more, when the intimacy develops, then I actually get a little more nervous than in the beginning. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. I guess that, well, intimacy makes us vulnerable. Maybe that's why. Yes. So my needs shift and change, and I'm still discovering what all that is. And I I hadn't heard about people wanting, you know, I've met people who want to be dominant or submissive. That's very cool that you like to do both. I'm a switch. I like it. Isn't that nice? A switch. Is that what they call it? Yes. I love that. Now... I'm a little bit naive when it comes to uh, the submissive dominant stuff. Yes. And so it doesn't necessarily involve BDSM or, or it generally does. You know, BDSM is a beautiful acronym because it covers all the bases actually. Okay. It's bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadism, and masochism. So all in that whole acronym, because some of those letters did you notice are doing double duty. Sure. Because BDSM people are nerds. <laughs> I don't think people think of them as nerds. They are very geeky about I love language that. and how you say things. BDSM anyway, nerds, I love that it. That whole acronym includes the psychological component of submissive and dominance, which could just be role-playing how you're acting with each other and on the house. Okay. It also can include S&M, which people are more familiar with, which is the exchange of sensation. So it depends. Okay, interesting. For me... A little bit here, a little bit there, a lot. I seem to have a, quite an appetite for new things and for adventure and trying things. Sure. So sometimes I'll be like, oh, that's a little too much for me. And then there are people in the scene say, never say never. Interesting. Meaning there's something you might find totally not your thing one year, and then a sure. couple years later you're like, well, my goodness, that's totally interesting. I want to look further into that. Sure. And that's what how sexuality is and should be. You it know, it's a, a journey. It palette. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and one that grows with uh, maturity actually becomes more intense, more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Our orgasms get stronger, mm-hmm. if we can even imagine. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, I'm, beautiful thing. I'm loving the um, girl boner beauty of a woman posts about aging sexuality and the maturing Mm-mm-mm. yeah I love so that helpful. too because we hear so much damaging information mm-hmm. and very pessimistic information about what it's like to age as women yeah. you know and I just I don't buy into the beauty fades thing you know a lot of people say beauty fades you know but the other stuff is important I just think you know what who decides what beauty is? Who decides that? And yeah. you know how they say that in France when you're in your 40s like go to France and they'll show you who you're beautiful oh yeah so I'm like yay but 50s, 60s, who decides that? And I think if our esteem is high, we radiate it, and men will just, well, these men, because I'm heterosexual, you know, they flock to the confidence. It's true. It's true. And, you know, I think of it, I think about aging in nature, like trees become much more intricate mm. and they have more leaves mm. and you know all these sensual things change my dog is aging she's yes. she's she's in her golden years and uh i think that she's more beautiful than she's ever been physically too you know and i just think humans are the only ones who get it wrong <laughs> americans are yeah. the only ones who get it wrong because yeah. really and so knowing that our sexuality increases mm-hmm. that gives us something to look forward to to there, embrace it's awesome there's a great book by joan price called naked at our age Ooh. which talks about sexuality over 50 and everyone who's just having a whole bunch of sex over 50 and how and what to expect from the ma- as the male develops into his age what to expect as the female does these people yes. are having some lovely, yummy sex. That is awesome. I'm going to check that out. 
Absolutely. Yeah. The conversations are so important, which yeah. is why I love the advocacy that you have. Tell us a, a little bit about your play mm -hmm. as far as can people see it now? What's happening? I just completed my, my campaign to support the funds for it, so it's almost totally funded now. I'm looking for company sponsors. Isn't awesome. that interesting? Awesome. How interesting, all you sponsors out there. Did you hear that? She's looking <laughs> for sponsors. Hundreds of people in Los Angeles will be very ignited about their sexuality after seeing my show. Hmm. So there are a few Ooh. different organizations that might be interested in that. I can think so of some. I'm looking to put it up as a world premiere in the next few months and, and keep it ongoing here in LA. I'm thinking of connecting with with um, the tourism industry and being like this to stop that tourists when they come from the Midwest and beyond, they come to my show as part of their I night like that. Out. Kids I mean, we have the, the we're the the you know the place for adult entertainment. You would think, you know, what a beautiful. I love that. It's you know that's yeah. a very creative goal. I could see you doing that too. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be thinking about those sponsors too. I think it's it's a wonderful venture. So uh, do you already have a location and all that? There are so many. There are so many great theaters in LA, and so I'm thinking either on the west side uh, in Santa Monica. There's a few locations, and there's one I'm keeping an eye on in Hollywood. So no no matter what, it's gonna be fine. I'm thinking of keeping it to under 80 seats. So it's intimate because the story is intimate. I could so see like, that. So like, let's pack the house and let's have tons of people wanting to get in there and and lots of shows. Yes, I love that. Yes. That's so exciting. Thank you. Uh, so, you your story that you submitted to Girl Boner mm -hmm. the the blog fest is so wonderful. Uh, before I have you read it, uh, you mentioned in in this in this love letter that you wrote to your clitoris mm -hmm. that your relationship has really changed with yeah. your clitoris over time. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Do you have kind of, um, have you had epiphanies specific to your clitoris? Have you, what, what made you kind of decide that I embrace this? First of all, I want to thank you for having the courage to talk about your sensitivity. I didn't know, and that helps me to know that there's a whole bunch of women out there who are dealing with that and given some misinformation. In the case of somebody who read my letter and said that a gynecologist said, oh, just don't touch it. Really? Really, yeah. dude? Because on the side or gently there's or pressure <laughs> why don't you know that anyway yeah thank you for your courage oh, it's my pleasure mutual and for me it turned around in the past year when I joined a community based in LA and apparently popping up all over the country and beyond called the one taste community I know that the practice of orgasmic meditation I'm so glad you brought that up because I actually I was at World Sexual Health Day mm -hmm. North America the first celebration ever in the United States in North America Whoa. last year which it should be every year mm -hmm. uh, but I sat at a table at a dinner with a psychiatrist who helped She's one of the people who, who runs that, and yeah. I just am fascinated <laughs> by, by orgasmic meditation. What is it? Okay, I'll do my best. It's so amazing. It is a 15-minute meditative practice where one person, will call that person the stroker, strokes the clitoris at the 1 o'clock spot, so a very specific part of the clitoris for 15 minutes. That person uses gloves and a special natural lubricant, and the practice is set up in a in bunch of pillows. Uh, the female stays completely dressed except for the waist down. The male is completely dressed. There's nothing else happening besides that meditation. His meditation is to focus on what he's doing in that one spot. Hers is to focus on her sensation. Wow, fascinating. And you know, there's actually, at their website, you can uh, purchase a a tutorial for yep. your first 15 minute. Yep. So I was, I was going to try that. And then I know they have the, the meetings Yeah. and that's really exciting. And I think yeah. that 
our sexuality is such a beautifully meditative very spiritual experience this is you? an unbelievable practice I am noticing that it's grounding me it's giving me faith in humanity because I have these own partners who aren't necessarily lovers they're just simply partners who come over for a short bit of time we set up a nest get out you know get out the timer stroke my clitoris I relax sometimes I cry sometimes I laugh sometimes I'm just meditating and then we're done, and then we share a little bit afterward our experience, a visceral experience, and then off he goes. So this partner, mm-hmm. what are they getting out of it? Obviously, there must be gratification, but... Good question. Um, yeah, okay, I will... My understanding of this, and this is about to get esoteric... That's okay, let's go with it. Is that this point is a conduit for something much larger. It's like an electrical socket... And these men are getting completely connected to, uh, I'm kind of doing this physical Ah. gesture. They're getting connected to this incredible energy. And the female is as well. So they are sharing this um, raising of their energy. Or it's hard almost to explain because I'm still discovering it myself. Um, But I am noticing, um, well, Nicole Daydon, who started this whole community, I think she considers it like a nutrient, like orgasm orgasmic energy is a nutrient and that as a woman we're kind of in detriment through this culture through many years of all this stuff so as i do orgasmic meditation i'm filling up i love that women who are practicing it i will say like when i see them they're they're very juicy females like they're bold and they're brave and they're goddessy and they're alive and they're unstoppable i mean you can kind of see it shining out of them. And I want more of that. That is amazing. And I love thinking of it as a nutrient because as you know, uh, I didn't masturbate till I was 30. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd had orgasms, but, oh, you didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I had had, you know, I'd been sexually active for over a decade. Mm-hmm. I'd had orgasms, but I'd go from relationship to relationship, not realizing again, that my needs were my, my own too, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so for me, thinking back, because I correlate a lot of that part of my journey to, you know, I, I struggled a lot with like depression and, and mm-hmm. I had an eating disorder and stuff. So when I was in uh, middle school, it's the first time that I orgasmed myself and masturbated myself at age 30. I immediately began to think of that girl I was who was so sad and so foggy in her head. And there was a deficiency and thinking about if only she had been in touch with that part of herself, how different would her life be? I don't have regret either because I feel like it's led me to my life's work. You know, it deserves to be grieved. You're right. Thank you for saying that. It deserves to be grieved. And I feel so, you know, I'm really sensitive right now and I'm feeling that. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you are where you are today. Um, that pleasure that we can have with ourselves I think is um, it's a critical part of being a human being, and it's time to reclaim it. Amen. Yeah. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. On that note, would you share your beautiful piece? Yes, I have it. I'm right so excited here. for everyone to hear it. A love letter to my clit, my darling clitoris. When I was younger and angrier, I was jealous of men. Men seemed to have such explosive, mind-bending orgasms. Not fair, I thought. What I didn't know was that by being born a woman, I was gifted with the only body part whose function was pure pleasure. 
That, my sweet, is you. You've got an average of 8,000 sensory nerve endings. The penis has 4,000. The result is that when touched in just the right way, you are a bringer of delight. I want to apologize, dear one, for approaching you in the past without much attention or care. Time and again, I've wanted to feel good and just reached down and rubbed, creating not-so-nice friction. Only last year did I learn the proper way to approach you with lubricant. Just a little dab of lube or saliva, and you melt into a gift of yumminess. How do you do it? I just looked you up on Wikipedia. Whoa, you are complex. The clitoris has external and internal components. It consists of the glands, the clitoral body or shaft, the clitoral hood, two erectile bodies known as the corpora cavernosa, two clitoral crura, and the vestibular or clitoral bulbs. Remember how I thought you were somehow different and I felt less than and blogged about it? twice? I thought you were too small. Now I know that you are perfect, just as you are. In fact, you've become such an important part of my life that I've made a promise to myself to practice orgasmic meditation three times a week. As you know quite intimately by now, orgasmic meditation is a 15-minute experience where I relax into a nest of pillows and my own partner strokes you with the tip of his left index finger. He wears gloves and uses special natural lubricant. And during those mini sessions, you give us such adventures of connection, energy, intuition, and creativity. You are more powerful than just a body part. Tapping into your current seems to create a doorway, a portal to something else, something spiritual and mysterious. I am in awe of you and your whole vulva package. This week, three mornings in a row in bed, you and I have had some pretty special moments, haven't we? Each climax, each climax creates a feeling of wholeness and happiness, all before 7 a.m. Have I told you how much I appreciate you? This morning, I raise a glass of smoothie and make a toast to you, to my gorgeous, healthy clitoris, my pleasure point, my sensation center, my delicious dot, to you, to us. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. You were just so talented, and I love <laughs> what you are doing with your talents. Thank you for sharing yourself with our audiences and with the world. It's such beautiful work you're doing. My pleasure. Such an honor to be here with you. Thank you so much, Jean Franzla, for being here. For more information on Jean, visit her wonderful website, kinkyjean.com. And if you are enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes if you haven't and leave us a simple review while you're there. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.